a business pays another business uh, and they pay it because there's a person involved who's going to make a payment or there's a systemic way to make a payment, which is automated, right? Uh, it's a workflow piece. And we thought that, hey, uh, we didn't want to build a point solution just for expense management. And we didn't want to build an API type solution just for automated payments or systemic payments. Um, we thought we need to build a holistic, holistic payment system, which we call our financial operating platform that basically makes it very easy for businesses to replace their checks with a bento product. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Farhan Ahmad is the founder and CEO of Bento for Business. He's worn the hat of entrepreneurial business leader within traditional financial institutions like Barclays and J.P. Morgan Chase, as well as the hat of fintech entrepreneur. Bento offers SMBs a new type of expense management solution that allows them to set budgets and build expense policies into their expense cards. The result is that companies can proactively manage how, when, where, and who can spend corporate money. Farhan joins us to talk about his personal journey leading payments at large financial institutions and founding and leading fintech startups. We talk about his customers and what they really need from expense solutions. Lastly, we talk about his future growth and product plans for Bento. Farhan Ahmed is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hey, uh, my name is Farhan Ahmed, and I'm the founder and CEO of Bento for Business. So before we jump into Bento, um, I'm curious to know about your own personal journey. Uh, you, well, I'll, let you, I'll let you give it away, but can you talk about sort of your, your evolution into becoming a, a startup CEO? Sure. Yeah. And this is not my uh, first startup. Um, I've kind of played in both the large, uh, large company environment and the startup environment for the, for all of my career, actually. Um, so started off working for a fast growing credit card company, uh, first USA had some great experiences there. And then, uh, just as the dot com, the first dot com boom was starting, uh, obviously got intrigued by the startup world and the new age and, uh, you know, did a couple of startups there um, at that time. Uh, had a phenomenal experience uh, building companies, products, and just sort of reimagining and reshaping the world in those days. It was all new, and we were sort of learning it. And so it was, a, it was an amazing experience. Um, took one company public and, and sold the other company, and uh, and ultimately then came back to the big bank world to see if I can leverage any of that experience and value for a large bank. Um, uh, and again, uh, you know, the good, the good news about this career story is that I've actually enjoyed uh, working at every single place that I've been a part of and, and they've all contributed in some way to where I am today. So I went um, to uh, J.P. Morgan Chase uh, and then built a healthcare business there for J.P. Morgan Chase that later became Chase Health Advance. Um, moved from there to Discover Financial Services and and, and ran a few, couple of different business units there, including their prepaid business and their technology business, um, where I actually built a, a kind of a newer age, uh, white label payments network. Um, and so even in these bigger companies, I wasn't taking on more traditional type of roles. It was always doing something new and building something brand new. It was building either a business or a new kind of a solution, because that's what's been the driving factor behind my entire career. Uh, moved from Discover ultimately to Barclays in the UK and, and oversaw digital payments for them for Europe and Africa out of London and really and really decided that I, I need to get back in and to what I love the most, which is to be a pure play entrepreneur. And I think it was time for me to sort of 
come back, start another company, and solve what I would consider another massive problem. Uh, so the journey, it, to summarize that, has really been startups and, and large companies, um, and really with the, with the idea of, I think I love to solve complex problems. That drives me in a startup, that drives me in a large company, and really Bento was the product of that exact same motivation. So I've heard the term uh, intrapreneur for people who, who do what you do inside big companies, right? Where uh, you're, you're sort of a startup you know, entrepreneur within a larger environment. But it, what's so interesting to me is that I, I've, I've rarely seen people that function well in both environments and that, that you've been able to blend those so well. Uh, I, I know, I think that's really interesting. So what was it about those experiences, I guess, that led to, to Bento? Was, did you see an opportunity in, in the market? Like, I, can you take us through sort of the ideation stage? Sure. Um... You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tackle your first question. I think um, the entrepreneur role is defined differently in different places. I was never, I generally do not take any roles that were, you know, head of innovation or chief digital officer. I think those are the roles where you still need to have a very different thinking hat on. In each case, I actually took, um, in my case, I actually took specific industries or I took on different um, business units. So at Chase, I wasn't saying, hey, I'm going to be chief digital officer for this particular card unit. I said, we're going to build a new healthcare business. And it's a very different approach. I was in charge of, of revenues for a healthcare unit. And that's what I had to build. And to build it, I actually invented a new way to do um, private label transactions on an open network. That's still my patent. And so the, the inventiveness came not because I was taking on, hey, how do I innovate within Chase? It was more about how do I win in a new space that Chase has not been successful in, but, and, and that requires innovation. Same thing with Discover. I, I, I wasn't the head of innovation. I just took on different business units that were struggling for a variety of reasons, and to get them back up to success, we needed to reinvent and reimagine things. And so to me, the big difference between what a normal – entrepreneurial role might be and what I was doing was I was actually taking real business units that had revenue expectations and then building them out with innovation. And so that is a less of a leap to where I am today than perhaps the head of digital leap would be. Um, so Bento, you know, was really a product of that too. It just having been in the space for ages, right? I think, you know, when I said, Hey, I want to solve another massive global problem that, you know, immediately my mind shifted to B2B versus B2C. Mm -hmm. I think naturally, right, um, most of us, are, all of us are users of consumer banking products in our personal lives. So we can really quickly and clearly see the challenges, the friction in that process. So naturally, most of the startups that you see in fintech are targeting consumer issues, right? Whether it's Acorns or Robinhood, and they're phenomenal companies who are, who are solving a really interesting consumer issue in a really cool way. And I thought there was enough attention on that and really great smart people doing that. But most people don't understand the friction in B2B. Unless you've run a large company, you really haven't been exposed to that at all. So you don't know what those issues are. So I thought I was in a very great place where I've seen that. I've seen what banks build for large companies and for SMBs. And I saw how archaic that was and how everybody was using really ancient systems. Um, and, and there was no competition from startups. The second thing that I saw was, hey, there was a big change coming. 
Um, I wasn't going to say winter is coming, but I think I've just said it now. But there was a big change coming because, you know, 10 years ago, even 15 years ago, uh, you know, in the U.S., most transactions from businesses to businesses were paper-based, mainly check-based. And it was really hard to digitize them because the workflow around them was also paper-based, right? If I'm getting an envelope with an invoice in it, and then I have to pay somebody back, I may as well stuff a check back in that envelope and send it back. But now there's been a massive migration uh, because of some great companies to automate those workflows, whether it's accounts payable, accounts receivable, whether it's expenses, whether it's travel and uh, entertainment. Um, there's great digital workflows where all the process is being digitized. But at the end of it, the payment at the end of it was still paper-based. Um, especially this is an acute problem for SMBs, where 80% of SMBs in the US still use paper checks for their payments. And the aha moment was really around that to say, okay, this massive wave is coming. There is now finally a reason for why businesses should switch from check to digital because the workflows have, have been switching. And now the world needs a better way uh, to conduct B2B transactions. And that's kind of the genesis of Bento. So, so what is that better way? Can you describe to the listeners um, what the Bento solution is? Sure. Um, so in the, at the highest level, the simplest way, right, um, a business pays another business uh, and they pay it because there's a person involved who's going to make a payment or there's a systemic way to make a payment, which is automated, right? Uh, it's a workflow piece. And we thought that, hey, uh, we didn't want to build a point solution just for expense management and we didn't want to build an API type solution just for automated payments or systemic payments. Um, we thought we need to build a holistic, holistic payment system, which we call our financial operating platform, that basically makes it very easy for businesses to replace their checks with a bento product. The product could be anything digital. It can be a prepaid card, a debit card, a credit card, a virtual card, or a physical card. It can be ACH. Uh, it could be faster payments. It could be any of those things. And we thought the businesses, if you're going to service this market, you have to give businesses all of these choices. You have to make sure that they can still pay the, the best way that they want to pay and their, cost, and their seller wants to receive the payment. And uh, that was one highlight. So we said, okay, we have to build something that's more of a full stack payments so a full stack payments structure, not just a card company. The second part of it was really, we realized that, hey, we have to be able to plug and play into the different workflows because that was the whole genesis, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we plug into an expense workflow? How do we plug into an AP and AR workflow? And so we've built things uh, with a very modular and componentized way that we can attach ourselves to various workflows. Instead of telling people, hey, to use our product, you have to switch everything that you're doing on your back office, which is a harder task. And the third thing that we realized that was very different is that we can't just be a technology provider because unlike uh, many different kind of apps and that we use on a day-to-day -day basis, financial services ha is heavily regulated. There's a lot of risk that companies can take on. It can be financial risk, uh, theft and fraud and misuse. And it can be regulatory risk. Uh, you could accidentally be enabling money laundering, for example. Uh, 
And so people are very focused on saying how do we build a really, really smart uh, and modern BSA process and a compliance process so that when we go to give our product to a customer, they don't have to worry about introducing risk to their organization. We will mitigate all of that. So the way I look at it is that we're not a tech only company. We provide tech, we provide these services, we provide compliance as a service, we provide onboarding as a service, and we build this very holistic platform that if whatever your payment needs are, at the end of it, you can attach a bento payment type and it's fully protected and fully serviced. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and can you give us a flavor for who your customers are? Sure. Um, so our customers, uh, as you can imagine, it's a very wide breadth of customers that we have. We have small businesses with 10 to 15 employees. We have some mid-sized companies with a couple of hundred employees. And then we have some more um, tech savvy type companies uh, who basically use us for systemic workflows through our APIs. And finally, we have some very large companies who are, who are customers who like what we do, but they operate in a niche environment. And in there, they have a very unique use of how payments work in that environment. And so they, you know, for them, we white label our product, we brand it with their brand, and then they distribute it in their ecosystem. So I'll give you an example. Uh, a small, great expense management customer we just talked to is a company called Precision Facilities. And they started using us, and uh, they were searching from a large bank solution to Bento for the expenses. And instantly they realized that they were saving uh, five plus thousand dollars a month uh, in their expenses because what they had no way in the past, you know, you know, what their employees were spending on, they had, you know, their regular reporting, they had rules, they had policies, but there was no way to enforce them. And Bento is really the only solution out there that can enforce your expense policy at the time of purchase. And by doing that, immediately on day one, they started saving five thousand dollars a month. Uh, according to that, our our customer there, she said that they save 70% of their time on bookkeeping and expense tracking, and they have seen massive productivity increases in their business. Um, they've not just been a customer less than a year, but um, this has been a continued trend. It's lots of companies who, who give these cars to their employees, and they start saving a lot of money that they re didn't realize they were just leaking in their business. On the larger side, right, we have uh, one of our partners is a company called Cast and Crew. And they provide essentially payroll and accounting services for the entertainment industry, uh, TV and, and film. And they realized that, hey, TVs and film, they need to hire people and they have accounting needs. But they also need to pay for things like set design and costumes and food for the crew and T&E for the crew. And so we, but they have a very niche requirement. They're in the movie industry which has very specific needs around what kind of fields they need to report on, how they need to, how they need to uh, uh, account for different expenses. You know, they're used to these envelopes with, with, uh, it, it, with the paper-based system. And because our product is so componentized and so customizable, very quickly we turned around a solution just for them that now they are putting out to all the studios out there and saying, hey, use this system to pay for all your filming expenses. And we could only do this because we built the platform at this level of customization. It's really, really hard for somebody else to come in and meet these specific needs in different niche industries without necessarily changing their core architecture. So our customers range all over the place. We can satisfy these different needs because we have built a very flexible and modular system.
So interesting. And, and so you're taking the direct and indirect approach in terms of uh, distribution and channels. Um, would you ever create that, the example that you just gave for the, for the movie industry, would you ever create that product and sell it directly? Um, or, or is the strategy sort of to co-opt and, and to work together with these partners that have, um, you know, very strong relationships within specific niches? So I'm a massive proponent of the partnership model. This is not a winner-take-all industry. This is not a tiny industry. B2B commerce, uh, the Goldman Sachs just did a report where they predict B2B commerce will be $200 trillion in the next few years. That's $200 trillion is a large amount of money that's floating yeah, around. A lot of zeros. No one company is going to capture that, right? Um, this is going to be distributed across multiple banks, multiple countries, multiple use cases, multiple industries and verticals. And each of them have some nuance to them. Whether it's a new market, whether it's, in, it's a new industry or a vertical or a different use case. Um, the gig economy has very different use cases than the old traditional economy. So it's really hard to say, I'm going to go after every single one of them directly and, and be the only person in town. What we're trying to do is, is finding partners who are in the workflow. I think that's the key thing, right? There are people building great workflows whether it's Concur building a great one for expense management or the casting crew who's built uh, in, in their particular space, a very interesting model, whether it's accounts payable companies or banks who have a great, a great base and foundation. We just want to partner with them and say, hey, we have a better technology um, that will help your customers. And if we can collectively help uh, your customers, then hopefully we can be partners and participate in a new revenue stream. That's actually pretty massive. Um, and I think the partnership way is ultimately the way we're going we're gonna, to uh, break down that massive barrier. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in the remaining time that we have, um, you know, we ask this of all the, all the guests on, on the show. Um, can you give us a little insight into your future product um, plans? Like you mentioned this, you know, sort of this, this niche that you kind of custom built and you have that deep experience there. Um, what, what do you guys have, on, I guess, for the rest of 2019 on the whiteboard? Yeah, so, so without giving uh, everything away, I think you've kind of given uh, a bunch of it away. And, and that is that, you know, we don't currently offer the full stack of pendants, but by Q2, Q3 of this year, we should be, we'll be able to offer the full, full payment stack. Um, the second thing that we are doing is we're, because of our focus in, in, in partnerships and making sure that we're part of workflows. Um, we're always working on integrating with more workflows where we can be the payment of choice at the end of the workflow. So I think uh, a bulk of our, of our efforts are gonna be really around continuing to expand, uh, continuing to expand the kind of uh, use cases we can service for our customers. And then making sure that each time that we're learning from things that need improvement to continue to make our product better to use overall. Fran, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet podcast today. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.